psychology. It's more than a philosophy, more than a psychology, more than just an ecology, bigger than biology, larger than anthropology, brushes against astrology. That's prophecology. Praise the Lord, I'm Master Prophet Ebernard Jordan, your most trusted name in prophecy. This week I have a friend of mine, um, he happened to stop by, and in stopping by, we get a chance to do a five mile walk and do some workout in the gym. But um, he has got to be probably one of the best fit pastors that I know for his age. He don't like telling his age, but he is the best fit. But I'm proud to say that he's a part of the club with us. He's a part of the Grandfather Club. So <laughs> he has a, when I, when I tell you who this is, he's um, Grandfather. But um, this is the pastor of Agape, amen, Pastor Lawrence Powell. And um, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, sir. It's <laughs> good to be here. <laughs> well, we have this weekly podcast, and um, I bring different ministry guests on and people that are doing some great things in the world. But um, let's get into your um, life um, for a moment, if you don't mind. I know you started the Agape Church and, um, in 1990, and um, you've done some great things. And um, how many members did y'all start out with? We started out with 11, uh, May 27, 1990, seven adults and four children. Wow. My well, parents' garage. In your parents' garage. But you can't fit that church in the garage today, can you? No. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> yeah. And y'all, so you've watched, I mean, this is 1990. We're now in 2020. And um, how many people you see there on a Sunday before COVID? Um, well, we had multiple services on Sundays before COVID. And... Um, we have a, a membership now of uh, about 4,000, and um, we would have a couple services, and they would be full, and you know, probably should have had an additional service, <laughs> but you know how that goes. Yes. So when you, um, tell, tell us, how did you get saved? How did you come to know the Lord? Well, you know, I was raised in, in church. Um, my mom insisted that my sister and I uh, go to church. And my father actually went to church, but he was uh, probably more so that CME Christian, Christ, uh, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Um, <laughs> but my mom <laughs> Pentecostal all the way. And we had to go to church every Sunday. And whether we liked it or not, there were no options like the kids get today. You know, you want to go to church? No, mm -hmm. it was, never did she ask that question. It was like you were going to church. So, you know, back in the day, it started with Sunday school, and then you had a little quick break. Well, I want to know what kind of church. Was this like a Methodist church, Baptist Pentecostal, church? Pentecostal, Church Pentecostal. of God oh, in Christ. Oh, so y'all were in church for more than 30 minutes, 45 oh, minutes. She, my, my God. 
We were there all day. When you say all day, what you call all day? Like you got a break, you could go home and get dinner, but you was coming back for YPWW, which was our youth meeting, and then night service started after that. Yeah, and that's not to mention all week long. Wednesday, Thursday choir rehearsal, Friday pastoral Bible study. So, <laughs> it was like, and, and and periodically you was in revival meetings during the week. Exactly. So you knew, so you grew up knowing about getting tarrying for the Holy Ghost and absolutely, absolutely speaking in tongues and mm -hmm. I grew up around all of that and I remember as a child thinking when I get grown this is it I'm done I'm churched out. <laughs> really? Yeah, but then as a teenager, uh, I just I, I just truly and totally submitted my life to the Lord and things changed. You know, God has a way of changing your heart and mind. My goodness. Now, you went to college, so where did you go to school at? Uh, I went to undergrad at, at, at Rutgers here in New Jersey, and then I went to Oral Roberts University for um, my graduate school. Really? Mm -hmm. So when you went to Rutgers, what did you go to Rutgers for? Uh, communications, liberal arts communications. Mm -hmm. <laughs> did you know you were going to be a preacher then? No. <laughs> I wanted to be, actually, I wanted to be in some facet of media, uh, wanted to be a, uh, a producer of music. A music producer? Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. So here you are going to school at Rutgers, communication, hopefully one day be a music producer, and then you ended up, how did you end up in Oral Roberts? This is and Rutgers, Tulsa is yeah. two oh, yeah. different worlds. Yeah, exactly. In fact, is an interesting story behind it. I did not plan to go to ORU. I was moving out west, and I want. I was driving, and so I wanted to see a few spots along the way. Mm. And the route that we took went through Tulsa, so I was like, "Oh, I'd like to see Oral Roberts University." And um, I got to Tulsa, and I stepped foot on the ground. And everything in me, it was not an audible voice, but everything in me heard, this is where you're going to be. Wow. And so that was like May. Um, I won't give the year because the people don't know how old I am. But it was <laughs> May of this particular year. And, uh, <laughs> and I had to get my stuff together. You know, my faith level at that time was student loans, but God gave me grace. And I got into school and my graduate work there and then things became um, clearer as far as um, what God was calling me to and so I thought I was going to wind up on the west coast you know California sick of the New Jersey winters oh my goodness so wait a minute so this is so you're, you're driving you get to Tulsa you kind of feel the call of God to say this is where you're going to settle mm -hmm. so you get into a master's program mm -hmm. And so you go for a master's of what? I was in the um, missions, um, theology and missions. Theology and missions. Mm -hmm. Then you graduate. So you lived in Tulsa for a minute. Yeah, two years. Seemed, you did like, it, seemed like 20. You did it in two years? <laughs> I did it in two years. You took a heavy load. Well, that particular program you could do in, in two years. The MDiv was a, uh, is a three-year program, but I did it in two. And I had a grace to be there. And, and I said what I said a moment ago, just humorously, 
it seemed longer, but as the grace started lifting and I, I got clarity as far as I was, what, what I was to do. So then I became um, real excited. In fact, early on in the first semester, I kind of started really seeing and hearing, um, seeing, visualizing and, and hearing what God was calling me to do. And I thought, well, maybe I was just supposed to be here for, for a semester. I got it now. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me go back to New Jersey and get started. But I prayed, I literally was in my closet praying and, you know, God spoke to me and, you know, I had to finish the program and then, you know, the grace lifted and, 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 and shifted me back to the East coast. And what happened when you got back to Jersey? Um, I think I got back on a Thursday after graduation in May of this particular year. <laughs> well, you didn't already said it, May 1990, right? I get back. And uh, we started uh, on that Sunday. And uh, seven adults and four children. And immediately, once the service was over, I heard the devil. I heard God talking before then. The devil was really talking. He's like, look what you done done. You've done it now. Now you got to keep this thing going. <laughs> Like, oh, and how man. many years you've been pastoring? I'm in my 30th year. And I started young, everybody. So don't 30 listen. years. Let's give that some respect. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years. I was young. I was a younger man. <laughs> Pastor Powell, you are hilarious. But let, let me ask you this. How often do you have comedy in your church? Every Sunday? <laughs> 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 we, <laughs> you know, uh, a few years ago, uh, we've, we've always had some element, some mm -hmm. comedic element. Um, but a few years ago, um, the Lord just put something in my spirit to do. And I knew it was going to be a little risky for, for traditional folk mm -hmm. to do it even on a Sunday. Right. And he just gave me the name and everything. And so now we've been doing it like every year. We call it Laugh Out Loud Sunday. So tell us, what is Laugh Out Loud Sunday? Well, I... I did it in the month of December. That's typically when we do that mm -hmm. particular Sunday. Um, we do it in December. Um, and didn't realize that the Sunday that I selected, um, as far as the, um, the Christian calendar and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the lighting of the candles or whatever, that particular right. Sunday represented joy. I was like, wow, look at here. And so basically we have a theme. I use a Medi Mary Hart Does Good Like Medicine. And so, um, you know, we have the praise and worship, and um, but we have an element of, of humor, be it in the media, video. We'll have Christian comedians, you know, come and share. Right. And we've had people um, receive Christ and just receive healing. It's been wonderful, actually. Mm. John Gray had come a couple of times. And, wow. And then a few other comedians. Kev on stage. Uh, oh, has yeah. Been there, yeah. Cletus Cassidy. Oh my goodness. One of the funniest guys wow. out of Virginia. So our folk look forward to it. What is the most embarrassing moment you've ever had? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. The one that comes to mind, I don't want to say on a pot well, podcast. That's the one that you probably should say. <laughs> oh my God. I gotta drink some of this coconut water you didn't get. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. You're not gonna get it out, me, prophet. Oh my god! In the pulpit, or in yeah, just... it, 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 it. Oh. okay. What's the next question? <laughs> so, what is? I'm just so glad it didn't go viral because it was video. <laughs> what was one of the most embarrassing moments you ever had? Wow, 
I've had a few. Well, I was preaching at a church, and I was preaching, and I was encouraging the people, you know, have faith. What is it that you need? Tell God what you need. And I got a little animated, and I hit the podium, the plexiglass podium with my hand, and the podium broke. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, was, I was horrified. Like, I actually broke. It was Bishop Eric Garns at oh Eric Garns Church. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. He said, that's okay. Keep preaching. I said, tell him what you want. I guess we better ask for a podium now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. That was one of the embarrassing things, but not the most embarrassing. But not the most embarrassing. Yeah. I'll tell you that one off. Off? Okay. What would you say would be one of the most challenging things, periods that you went through in your life in ministry? Um, that's that's easy. Um, you know, a few years ago, I, I went through some um, personal storms and um, some things that were not anticipated. Um, and I'm typically, believe it or not, I'm a private individual. Um, don't really, you know, say a whole lot, you know, kind of kind of to myself I think I'm, I'm probably more on the on the shy side than than than, than people you know shy? Really, I'm telling really? you. oh wait a minute you're you are <laughs> in the pulpit you are nowhere come across shy it's the Lord <laughs> nowhere come across as private uh, it's God this is see that's how you know mm-hmm. um but to be in that particular place when uh, you're 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 in a storm and uh, you're like whoa wait wait a minute and you're you're private person but you're having to deal with a public storm mm. and that was uh, very 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 difficult very very challenging um, and you know I I, I I thought then that I I have not been here before but um, you know, God is a very present help in time of trouble. I gotta put my faith to work here and keep my eyes on Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. And uh, through the pain, you know, through the tears, through the the difficulties, the the, the emotional roller coaster ride, um, it was a lot. But God gave me a grace. Wow! How do you lead a people when you are? going through a storm? Well, you know, we, we should always lead as ex- examples of, 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 of faith, of maturity. Uh, I think for so long, leaders were p- placed on pedestals, and it was like they were perfection wrapped in flesh. Mm. We got a treasure, but it's in an earthen vessel. Um, so again, I hadn't been in that place before. So it was absolutely new. It was like, how do I navigate? And I had to take all of the things that I have been teaching and preaching, all things that I had received um, uh, from from my uh, study in the word, from what I'd been taught down through the years and my experience thus far, and, and really keep focused, um, keep moving ahead. Uh, I wasn't doing it to be seen, but people were looking and it was kind of like afterwards sometimes during like once I heard a lady uh well one of the ladies came to me after church once and she said she looked around and she was like pastor she said I hate that you're going through what you're going through but 
oh my God, it's helping a whole lot of us. Wow. And so people were looking at me. Somebody told me, Pastor, I watched you while you were going through um, your personal storms, and it gave me encouragement. It gave me faith to go through what I was going through because what I was going through wasn't like what you was going through. And if you could do it, then I could do it. So you 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 you're you're living. In fact, when I was going through, I taught a series, and it with the title of it was "So You Want to Be Anointed," <laughs> <laughs> or, or or that was actually the thought. I think the title was. Um, uh, uh, the, the the cost of the anointing and, mm-hmm. and you know it's not just the the sweet ingredients it's the myrrh wow and you know and that's powerful because I know a lot of times we'll say I'm too anointed to be disappointed mm-hmm. but the, 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 the disappointment happens on the anointing it shows up on the outside but then you're pastoring while you're disappointed on the inside because it's almost like, mm-hmm. this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. You know, I signed up to have a life go this way, but all of a sudden a brick is in the road mm-hmm. or a ditch is in the road or I find myself on the side of the road, but yet, God, you have not changed my assignment because I got to still stay the course yeah. while I'm dealing with this issue. And it's um, it's amazing that you've come um, through the um, the emotional, the mental, the you know having to stand as a leader in front of the people. As one person would put it, you know, how do you lead while you still bleed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So this is this was a part. Did, did this make you a better preacher? I believe it did. Or a better person. Yeah, yeah, better, a better person, a better man. In fact, um, I had uh, ministered at a, at a conference. Um, you know, thank, thank God for his goodness and, and, and grace and mercy. You know, we're all called to do something uh, in, in life and in ministry. And you know, sometimes it can be so very, very challenging. And you know, such was the case when I was um, invited to speak at a conference in, in, in the month of January in Hawaii. And, you know, somebody has to go. <laughs> somebody has to go and do this, right? And so, you know, Hawaii, it's 80 degrees in January. And, you know, and someone just had to 30 go. degrees in New Jersey. So okay. somebody had to go. But when I was asked, I immediately, and it was an apostolic leadership conference, and I absolutely knew. I don't always have this experience, but I knew my title, what I would speak on a year in advance. Because when you may know Apostle Emmanuel Candace Tracy, oh yeah, when he when he invited me, just leading while bleeding came to mind, mm. and I I had heard that title of something that another minister had preached, but I never heard the message. But that title came to me, and so um, when it came time to um, uh, you know, prepare what I would minister. Uh, the Lord took me to that passage where Paul said, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. And as you know, sometimes when people look at the prophetic or the apostolic, they're kind of like focusing on that, that supernatural signs and wonders. Right. But wait a minute, here's this sign called endurance or perseverance, wow. or perseverance that stick to that, 
that uh, when you may be on the, on the, on the ground, having been stoned and bleeding like Paul, mm. you get a group around you. And, uh, they, I don't know what they said. The text doesn't give us the script. What did they say? But I know they were saying something. Come on, Paul, you can make it. Come on, come on. Here yeah. he is beaten. He's, he's a leader. He's bleeding, but he gets back up and he gets back up and goes back to ministering. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. What would you say um, that now pastoring 30 years in ministry, what would you say to young pastors or just pastors? Well, yeah, young pastors, because you know 30 years is a long time to be in ministry. Mm. I mean, um, what would you say? To younger pastors, you mean, right? right? What are you trying to say here? Bishop, prophet. I'm trying to say you're a grandfather. <laughs> and I started young. Don't leave the people hanging. <laughs> so. <laughs> started young. Started young. So we, um, what would you say was three key things that helped you in your ministry? And I love this fact about you sharing about leading while I'm bleeding and then I'm reminded of Paul's story of having to survive on broken pieces, mm-hmm. you know, with the shipwreck. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's shipwrecks that, uh, that every apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher may be destined for a shipwreck? A shipwreck. situation essay? Yeah, shipwrecks and then snake bites. Because that's what happened next, right? <laughs> Yes. Shipwrecks and snake bite. That's a message. You know what? That's a conference. Preach. We know we we're going to preach on Sunday. Oh, conference. You yeah. see, you got big conference. Yeah. Shipwrecks and snake bites. We're going to talk about shipwrecks and snake bites. I mean, because that's like the recipe mm-hmm. to see if you're ready. That's the test of your apostleship. Mm-hmm. And it's how, how how you come to be bitten by the snake anyhow. And the apostle, the apostle, I always love this about that passage. Mm-hmm. You know, they get over on this island and it's chilly, it's raining. And you got all of the folk who survived the shipwreck and you got the native folk and they're there and they're there around this fire. And it's Paul. He didn't send somebody else. It's Paul gathering sticks mm-hmm. and gathering the wood yeah, and gathered a snake in that semi-frozen state, unbeknownst to him, because, you know, wood represents humanity. Sometimes you're yeah. grabbing for what you think are men and women, and it's snakes. snakes. Have you had some snake bites in your life? Oh, yes. That's another podcast, see? <laughs> and with the conference, we'll do a podcast. <laughs> you ever had some snake bites? But you, and, and, you know, interestingly enough, when I was going through that stormy, stormy season, mm-hmm. um, I went to the gym and uh, I was with Bishop Jakes and I'm not trying to throw, throw his name around. I was at the gym working out with Bishop Jakes. Now, Bishop Jakes wasn't at the gym with me, but I was working out with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. YouTube, thanks okay, be to God. Right? Okay. And it was like God drew me to this six, um, this six minute or so segment of him preaching about the snake bite. And I had preached the passage before, but I mean, just that six minute helped me because he said something about here again, being a private person. It's one thing to be bitten in private. It's another to be bitten in public. Wow. 
because it's when you're bitten in public, it's like God puts your snake bite on center stage. Mm-hmm. He said, but that's when you come to figure out it ain't all about you. Yeah. See, people, they can't see your God. They can't see your faith. But they can see your trouble. They can see your snake bite. Mm. And when that snake latches itself onto you, its intent is to destroy you. But when you don't die, then they see your God. Then they see your faith. And as the psalmist said in Psalm 20, you know, after God lifts us out of the muck and miry place, he's mm-hmm. put a song in our mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many shall see it in fear mm-hmm. and put their trust in God. See, you took me back to my Pentecostal roots. He brought me out yeah. of the miry clay. <laughs> this is like the eighth song I've heard prophets sing since I've been with him today. I ain't never heard him sing this much. I sing hymns. I love the hymns. Reverend Ike, my mentor, would say to me, he who sings prays twice. Hmm. Because hymns are prayers and praises. Now, who have been some of the mentors in your life, if I may ask? You know, um, I can probably name several people who in some way or another have impacted me, um, either personally, knowing them, being associated with them, connected in some way, or even just from afar. Um, Bishop Charles Blake mm-hmm. and Lady May Blake, that's, that's, those two people are yeah. so very near and dear to me. I met Bishop Blake when I was at ORU, and... I just was, I was in awe of what he was doing at that time. And mm-hmm. uh, I just asked him, I was a student, you know, I grew up in, in Kojic and, yeah. and I just wanted to see if I was going to California, if I could meet with him. And he agreed uh, and he invited me to, to a meeting and introduced me to staff. And I was just getting ready to start pastoring. That's Bishop Blake. Bishop Blake is probably one of the most um, kindest churchmen mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. most diplomatic churchman that yeah. you would find in his wife. I preached at his church. I preached for all four of his services on a mm-hmm. Sunday morning and Sunday night. Yeah. And I never forget, he says, now, son, you may want to go to your room and go take a nap because mm-hmm. you'll feel it, <laughs> yeah. you know, later on. And, 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 and I, mm-hmm. I listened to um, Bishop Blake, which I was glad that I did because I did feel it. But yeah. he was having services back to back, the organization, the leadership, but, the, but his wife was just so hospitable and mm-hmm. just kind yeah. people. Yeah, and they're still that way. Bishop's turning 80 this, this week, I think. And, um, I, you know, I just appreciated him so much. And, you know, I could add to the list, you know, Dr. Oral Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, in his latter years, I had opportunity to, 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 to visit with him and, wow. and to just sit at, sit at his feet. And I'm never going to forget that. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't tell a lot of people this. Um, so wait, why am I getting ready to say it now, right? right. <laughs> but... Um, I just was so impressed to go out there and um, have a have a, a, a time with him, mm-hmm. and um, I was going to take a red eye to fly back home. I was going to visit a friend who wasn't who went to ORU and was sick, and um, things um, started changing throughout the day. So um, his his nurses uh, at the time said, "Listen, um, you might not make your flight." Um, I was take, taking the red eye back home and they said, how about if you just kind of hang out? Um, Dr. Robert's going to take a nap and you come back and have dinner with him. And so, and I did. And, and that was the last time I saw him five days later, he passed away. Wow. And I was just like, wow, Lord, my God. 
Thank you. You know, that's a that's a moment that you'll never forget that will eternally mark your life. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I was just so, I was so like, it was a bittersweet movement. Obviously, you know, he was with the Lord, but I was like, oh my God, I was just with them, and. And Bishop Ray called me, Harold Ray, and yeah. he said something, because I wasn't even thinking this. I guess I ain't that deep, but he was like, he's like, Larry, do you realize you were you were with a general in transition? Yeah. And he explained some things to me with regards to that. Um, Bishop Jakes has been, you know, f- uh, f- phenomenal, um, you know, as well. Um, it's, there's there's so, so many people that I've gleaned from. Uh, Prophet uh, Dennis Kramer. Uh, has been there for me. Uh, Dr. Wanda, Wanda Davis, these persons have encouraged me, walked with me through the fire. Um, Dr. Earl Johnson out of California. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. How important is it to have friends in ministry? I think it's very, very important um, to have some authentic friends. And, you know, when you, when you made, reference to the the younger you know, younger pastors I thought about the the importance of of, of uh, right um, connections the right connections mm-hmm. and 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 being in relationships where you're where they're reciprocal um, you you know you can't just be a giver and not receive right or you can't just be a receiver and not a giver to have a healthy relationship so having some people that you can sit at their feet and and learn from but that you can you can bring something to the table as well and having that kind of, of yeah. respect. Um, preparation is important. So a lot of things, I'm, I'm, you know, the example of Bishop Blake is I was just getting ready to get started and I asked if I could have a meeting and I asked him questions and he introduced me to staff, help him, you know, however he needs help. And, and, and then before I left, I was a student at ORU, Bishop Blake reached in his pocket and pulled out two crisp $50 bills and said, here, Larry, um, this may come in handy when you're in my city. I promise you, you could give me two worn, tattered, been in the mud, fifty dollar bills today, and I would receive them from you. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, listen, um, we, we're going to wrap it up here, but let me ask you this: um, How can people find you online? Because I mean, they can't go to the building and go there and worship. So, how do we worship with you now? Uh, well, there's a few platforms. You can go to our website, agapecenter.org, uh, or, um, and, and we, you can view us with our live uh, stream on Sundays at 9 a.m., Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Um, you can also find us on uh, Agape Family Worship Center. Uh, we're in Rawway, New Jersey, so you can view us on Facebook Live and also YouTube. All right. Well, we want to thank you. And um, how are you thriving in this pandemic the grace of god if i can say this real quickly i sought for the lord for a word for this year 2020 i ain't hear nothing about covid 19 pandemic (laughs) and nothing i heard forward 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 tell moses why you crying tell the people to 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 go forward and so been trying to keep focused you know with that that if god brought us to it then he's going to bring us through it and bring us out of it victoriously. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you have just heard from Dr. Lawrence Powell. Tell him, what did you get your doctorate in? You, we didn't even get to that part. Strategic leadership. Strategic leadership. And how many years did it take you to do that doctorate? 
Um, about three and a half. About three and a half years. I'm so glad it's over. Oh my! I'm trying God. to get you to go for a PhD. I have a doctorate of strategic leadership, and I believe that's the will of God concerning me. I'm going to be a lifelong learner, but I pray, I pray that I don't have another paper to write <laughs> like like that. You, Come on, Bishop, you go ahead. You get as many doctors as you want. I'm going to call you doctor, doctor, doctor for every degree. <laughs> That's why we love you so much. The, one of the coolest preachers on this side. You forgot, young, young, young. <laughs> coolest young preacher. One of the coolest. Well, you know what? When I turned, now this is me, when I turned 50, wow. Reverend Ike used to say, that is the youth of old age. That's what I believe. I believe that's. He's, he used to say, that's the youth words. of old age. And he used to say to me, he says, you're still a baby. It's the new 30 or 40, he something like said, that. He, said, he would say, you're still a baby. He said, called it the youth of old age. And mm -hmm. I used to just break out and laugh. Oh, wait a minute. I'm just getting that. <laughs> I missed it. The youth of old age. Wait a minute. I thought you meant like the 50 is the new 30 thing. The new old young. Okay. Never mind. Ain't this podcast over? Yeah. <laughs> you, you just heard from Dr. Lawrence Powell. We love you, man of God. And be blessed. And stay tuned for the weekly podcast and stay connected. God bless. To keep in touch with Master Prophet E. Bernard Jordan, go to www.bishopjordan.com and follow him on all social media platforms. To get more information about the Prophetology Conference and or more special events, go to www.zoeministries.com or call 888-831-0434. Thank you and stay blessed. <laughs>